This week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast is brought to you by Bell's Beer. Their journey began with a 15-gallon soup kettle, a quest for better beer, and countless batches of homebrew. The passion and personality that began Bell's continue today throughout our breweries and eccentric cafe. They continue to grow and evolve, dedicated to their mission to be fiercely independent, 100% family-owned, deeply rooted to their community, committed to the environment, and brewers of inspired beer. Hit that ish. And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Uh, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. I appreciate all the patience and the well wishes um, for missing last week. I was sick, listened to some audio that I recorded when I had my cold and everything, and it was unlistenable. So instead of me trying to put out just poor episode of Card Sack. I took the week off. I thank you all for the patience and we are here this week with episode 57. We have the mail sack that we're going to get to right off the bat. Then we have NFL talk and college football. A lot has happened in the past two weeks so we're going to gloss over both of those. So this should be a fairly quick, fairly good episode. So sit back, relax, and enjoy um, also, I feel like I have to like, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes and or SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast from. So jumping right into the mail sack here this week, we got a lot of questions. I Once again, I appreciate you all sending those in. First question we have is from Paul Marino who asks, how is Bellarmine women's soccer looking this year? Um, I have no idea. She is a alumni and a former player for Bellarmine Soccer, so maybe she should keep up with uh, how they're doing. I have I have no clue how Bellarmine's women's soccer is looking. They're probably taking a big hit after suffering the loss of such a key, important player of you, like you, from last year. More questions from Paul Marino. How is Peyton Manning? He seems to be doing pretty good. Uh, he's got a New show on ESPN Plus that he's doing that is sort of like the Kobe detailed type thing. So he's probably loving life. Um, Urban Meyer, question mark, question mark, question mark. That is not really a question. That is just a statement with, that's a name with three question marks at the end. Um, Urban Meyer is good. He's doing well for Fox on their college football pregame show. So a lot of rumors about if he's going to come back or come Back to coaching, if he will or won't he, I highly doubt it right now, but who knows? Anything is possible with the herbs. You just really have no idea. We continue with more polymerino questions. Thoughts on that weird douche from UK that twisted the other guy's ankle? She is referring to Cash Daniel. Um, speaking of what he did do against Florida, twisting the uh, backup quarterback's ankle at the bottom of the pile, I think... He probably intentionally did it, didn't know there was that other angle that the uh, TV station tweeted out the video of and thought he was going to get away with it. And then Polly and I had a discussion of his domestic 
violent and other accusations that women have made on Twitter, that's a whole nother thing and a whole nother story. And if I really don't want to touch on that because if that stuff did happen, that's terrible. I, you just have no idea really right now. It's all speculation stuff. I'm not saying I discredit the accusers or anything like that. We just really have no idea. And I don't even know if things are being pursued for justice against him. So that's, that is what's the thoughts on the weird dude from UK that twists the other guy's ankle, as Paul Marino put it. Now, on top of all those just kind of shitty questions, Paul Marino did ask I what I thought was a good question. Uh, she asked, best state to grow up in for each sport. So I'm not sure if she meant to watch or to play. So I'm going to kind of do like a little bit of both. I think to watch, if you're going to watch football, I think living in the New England, Boston area with how well the Patriots have done, that's probably got to be pretty fun. I mean, also Texas and anywhere um, in the South, Ohio as well, to play or watch football would be great. I think to play basketball, places like California, Florida, uh, anywhere in the Northeast would probably be fun to do and watch as well. Hockey, I think you got to go north of the border to Canada to play or watch, really. I understand there are teams in the United States, but all of those guys from Canada are just fantastic. Then golf, I think really anywhere to play or watch. You can, uh, yeah, I guess anywhere. Uh, baseball. I would say probably the South as well, or maybe the West Coast. Watching anywhere as well. It was a lot harder question once I got into it than what I thought it was going to be, but I appreciate you probably sending in however many questions you did, no matter how ridiculous they were. Next question comes from Davis Canapel, who asks, Where did the Browns' creativity go? It is a real tough question to answer because... Freddie Kitchens, I don't, I didn't think he was going to be a problem. I really didn't think that that was going to be what held the Browns back. Unfortunately, he has been what has held the Browns back so far this year. The creativity wise is just, it's lost, but the play calling has been terrible too. And I think with the better play calling that I'm hoping comes along, the creativity and opening the playbook more will come along with that. But right now, I think the creativity is being masked by the pressure that is applied on Freddie Kitchens as this Browns head coach. That's where I think the creativity has gone. Next question we have from Ali Stevens who asks, what does the future hold for our dear friend Antonio Brown? We also got another question about Antonio Brown from Kennedy Poston, but she was a little hesitant to ask because she said she saw me tweeting about it. But send him in anyway. I appreciate both of you all reaching out and asking. Um, what do I think the future holds for Antonio Brown? Well, apparently, according to him, he's going back to college to get his degree at Central Michigan, so that's awesome for him. I hope he uh, adjusts well to student life. I highly doubt he does, but I hope for his betterment and his education that he does get that done and does get his degree. Um, speaking professional-wise, though, I think he's going to find himself in the NFL. Maybe not at this this season, but I think 
by the start of next year, he will be on an NFL team. It's just once all these allegations and everything get handled, whether that happens tomorrow or next year, I think that's when it'll be decided when he's going to get back into the league. I think he's going to stay stay in shape, stay working on his craft, everything like that to where if somebody does call him and they offer him, he'll be ready to come back. I mean, there's already been teams contacting his agent to sign him, but they all have the questions about these allegations of the sexual assault and everything like that. So they are, that's going to be the red flag and no one I don't think is going to sign him until that is cleared up. So that is what I think the future holds for Antonio Brown. Um, Probably a lot of dumb other social media posts as well, but hopefully some fire um, social media videos that he's come to know and love. Moving on now, we have a question from Pat Maldino asks, who is the best wide receiver from Ohio State of all time? couple of names that jump right to the top of my mind. Um, Ted Ginn, he was really the first receiver at Ohio State that I was like fully invested in and was like, wow, this guy is like really good. Santonio Holmes also comes to mind. Those are guys that were like I can remember watching play. Um, A few others that were there when I wasn't alive, Joey Galloway. Um, I mean, Michael Jenkins was there when I was alive, but I don't really remember him all that much um Terry Glenn David to me it comes down to two guys David Boston who um he's has the best single season as a receiver for Ohio State caught 85 passes um 1400 yards in 98 um on the other hand I think like the obvious choice is Chris Carter um he ranks fourth in school history in receiving yards, third in touchdowns, and second in receptions. Um, a guy that's not going to really ever probably pop up on this list, but KJ Hill, he's probably going to have the receiving the most reception record in a in a career at Ohio State after this year. But if I'm going to go right down to it, considering everything there was, I'm going to go with Chris Carter and David Boston as a close second. Next question from Ryan Moore. Should Eli Manning request a trade? If he does, what teams do you expect to go for him? He's got that no trade clause in in his contract. I really don't foresee Eli doing anything like that where he would request a trade. If he's going to, though, I guess the Jets because of them not having really a quarterback. I know Luke Falk is... I'm I'm a Luke Falk guy. I watched him at Washington State. I liked him there, and he's accurate. But I guess the Jets, because I don't think Eli really wants to leave that New York area. His family apparently loves it up there. So if he does request a trade at all, I guess the Jets make the next best sense. Next, we have a question from Drake Bentley. If you could play any sport professionally, which would it be and why? I think it's definitely got to be golf, just because it doesn't take the insane toll on your body as a lot of other sports. You make a shit ton of money, and I thoroughly enjoy golf, so it would be cool to do something that you love for a living. I understand you're probably going to get more star play, star power and recognize more playing like a NFL or in the NBA, but f- for my money, the PGA is where I would go. 
Next, we have Caleb Norris asking, will the Browns finish the season over their season win total at nine games? Caleb, I definitely think they can, but they do go through a very tough stretch here in these next five games. They have to go to the Ravens, to the 49ers, host the Seahawks, and then go to the Patriots. One, two, three, four. That's four games. And then they have to go to the Broncos. If they can get two... And if we're hoping for the best three wins out of those, that gets them at four. I really do think they have a chance to win the, at least five of their next ones because they play the Bills, they play the Dolphins, they play the Bengals twice, and then they play the Cardinals. It's still there for them to get there. I really just be patient. Don't push the panic button just yet on the win total for them. They do have a chance to get that over on their win total for you. That concludes this week's mail sack. I appreciate once again everyone sending in questions. That will probably be back not next week, but the week after that. So once again, thank you all. And now we are going to dive right into some college football. I'm just going to start with week four from last week and just go through some of the games that I think need to be talked about. I'm not going to go real in-depth on anything right yet. First off, we have Houston at that played Tulane on Thursday, and that was just a great game to watch. Houston was up uh, 28-14 at one point, I believe, and then Tulane comes right back and wins it with a touchdown pass with three seconds left in the game. Uh, King, the quarterback for Houston, deciding to redshirt the rest of this year but still plans to come back to Houston next year. I don't really understand why it's... More likely a personal issue that he's just not saying or anything. I just have no insight or anything on that. So I hope whatever he decides works out well for him because I do think he has a ton of potential um, as a player. Next, Utah went to USC. Utah 10th in the country. They lose a hard-fought tough game, 30-23. to USC loses their backup, backup quarterback and has to start the third stringer after the first series, and he comes through and just produces as well. So, good on the Trojans. Next, this one doesn't even need much discussion. Ohio State, 76, Miami of Ohio, 5. At one point, Miami of Ohio was up 5-0, to zero, and I was pretty nervous, not going to lie. But Ohio State comes back and scores 76 unanswered. Kentucky goes to Mississippi State and loses 28-13. to They have a huge game coming up this week that I'll talk about a little bit more. Alabama rolls against Southern Miss. Joe Burrow goes off against Vanderbilt. Burrow had 398 yards and six touchdowns. Um, Florida demolishes Tennessee. Wisconsin, 13th in the country, beats Michigan who was 11th in the country, 35-14. to 14. It's, I will talk about this. It is getting to the point now with Harbaugh at Michigan that you kind of, you just need to see results, and they're just not coming in at all. And expectations for Michigan have just totally taken a nosedive. When he first got there, it was, oh, national championship, national championship, uh, college football playoff, college football playoff. Now it's to the point where if he just can win the Big Ten, which he's not on pace to do right now, if he just won the Big Ten, I think everyone would just be, that was a Michigan fan, would be 
just elated. And that's such a far cry from where they were at when they first brought him in to where he is now. And that speaks, I guess, a lot to what he has done as a coach. And it's it's got to be frustrating. I cannot relate because I'm just not in that position. But it, I don't think Michigan needs to fire him at all, and I don't think he should step away. I don't know where he would go. But to me, you got to ride it out with Harbaugh and just see what happens. Because I don't think, I really don't think it's going to get any worse than this, than what it is. I mean, he gets you in good bowl games every year. You're not beating your rivals or anything. It's not going to get worse. It's sort of like how Les Miles was at LSU before LSU let him go. And, I mean, look what LSU's doing now with Coach O. They're, they got Joe Burrow, and they're killing it, all this other stuff. But I really don't think you can fire or get rid of Harbaugh just yet. On the other side, Wisconsin, uh, Jonathan Taylor, once again, get that man to New York. It's going to be a crime if he's not there. Um, Cal, 23rd in the country, escapes Ole Miss with a 28-20 win. Continuing on, we have Auburn going to Texas A&M, getting a hard-fought 28-20 win as well. That's a hard place to play, and the Tigers go in there with Bo Nix, the freshman quarterback, and get a big road win in the SEC. UCF, the second-best non-Power 5 team, right behind Boise State. They go to Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh coming off a tough loss last week against Penn State. They rebound and win this one 35-34 over the Knights. Washington goes to BYU and wins 45-19. Louisville goes to Florida State and plays them pretty close, but in the end, turnovers cost the Cardinals as they lose 35-24. Um... Clemson rolls against Charlotte, duh, no shit. Texas, in a very close game that was fun to watch, beats Oklahoma State 36-30. I'm still, like what Oklahoma State does, they are going to, I mean, I don't think they're going to make any real, like, college football ripples or anything like that, but they're just a fun team to watch, so I enjoy watching them. In the night game, that took place on Saturday. You had Notre Dame going to Georgia, 7 versus 3 matchup. And for most of this game, I don't think the score indicates really how close it was. Um, the first half, neither team was really able to do a lot. And then Georgia sort of imposed their will and took over in the second half. And Notre Dame had a late touchdown on a drive that, I mean,. It did mean something, but it was sort of just hurry up, get something. If we do, great. If not, we know this game's over, and they do get that touchdown. Georgia, I think this speaks more to Georgia than what it does Notre Dame. I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying how, oh, this is like kind of good for Notre Dame because if they went out and they have this close loss at Georgia, they still can make the playoff because it shows they can play right there with the top teams. I don't think Georgia played anywhere near their best game in this game at all. I think if Georgia played their best game, and I, I, I don't understand really why they didn't because all the weaknesses that Notre Dame had and being at Georgia, I mean, the lack of... A good run defense for Notre Dame really should have played right into the hands of what Georgia likes to do, but that wasn't the case. I mean, they held Swift to only 98 yards and a touchdown. Fromm was 
the most from S performance possible. 187 yards and a touchdown. Um, to me, again, this was more about Georgia not playing as well as they could or should have rather than Notre Dame playing tight against Georgia. Moving on. In, okay, this is probably going to be the game of the year, and I felt so privileged to be able to stay up until 2.30 to watch the end of this. UCLA, unranked, goes to Washington State, 19th in the country, and wins 67-63. to Miraculous. I mean, the quarterback for Washington State had 8 or 9? I think it was 8. No, it was nine. Excuse me. Gordon for Washington State had nine touchdown passes. Um, the quarterback for UCLA, uh, DTR, had 507 yards, five touchdowns, and had two rushing scores on the ground as well. It Go out of your way to watch highlights. If you can, watch the whole game. It's insane. It's the definition of Pac-12 after dark. It was amazing to watch. Just go find highlights or something. I'm begging you. Do yourself a favor. All right, let's get into week five of the college football season. On Thursday, you have Navy going to Memphis. This is going to be, to me, a sneaky good game of the week. I understand. I talk about games on Thursday and Friday here because I think those are some of the better games you get all week out of college football. So, to me, two un- two undefeated teams here, Navy 2-0, Memphis 3-0. I think Memphis does win this with their high-powered offense, but it'll be a fun game to watch, seeing how Memphis can handle stopping the triple option that Navy likes to do. Then on Friday, you have Penn State, 12th in the country, undefeated, going to Maryland. Maryland, after their hot start, then losing to Temple two weeks ago, and now having the week off from last week, hopefully um, can rebound and play well against Penn State. In this one, though, I think Penn State is just too much, and they end up beating Maryland. Arizona State goes to Cal as well on Friday. Cal moving all the way up to 15th in the country, being undefeated. I think Cal's defense here is going to be too much, and Arizona State is going to fall. And if Cal can develop some sort of offense, which they exploded with some last week against Ole Miss, I just don't think that's going to be an every week thing. If they could, they could be major players in the bit in the Pac-12. They all already are major players, but could really actually, I think, challenge to win the whole Pac-12 conference if they had a little bit more offense to help that defense. Next, we go to the Saturday side of games. Um, at the top of my list, I have Ohio State, fifth in the country, going to Nebraska, who is and 3-1 on the year. The first real big road challenge test for Ohio State comes this year. Um, Nebraska played them pretty close last year, but I think... This team this year and that team last year, totally and completely different. I could see this game being close for a little bit because of it being at Nebraska and the game day environment and it being probably the biggest game that Scott Frost has had at Nebraska as a home game so far. I guess And Fields' first real true road start. Um, I like I said, I could see it being close for a half, or I could honestly see Ryan Day just coming out with like this pissed off fu attitude and just trying to bury Nebraska 
immediately on the Buckeyes come out strong and just get out to a big lead and never really relinquish it. I think it's going to go either one of those two ways, and I know that's sort of like covering all your bases and everything, but um, in, in no scenario do I think Ohio State loses this game. Next, we have Kentucky going to South Carolina. Kentucky coming off back-to-back losses. South Carolina sitting at 1-3. and three. Sawyer Smith needs to play better for Kentucky for them to win. Um, I think he can, and I think he will. Kentucky is going to continue to build on their winning streak against South Carolina. And I, the defense for Kentucky needs to show up, but so does Sawyer Smith. And I think he finally does, and he gets his first uh, win as the Kentucky starter against South Carolina this week. It does help that it is in South Carolina. I will say that. That's the only thing, really, that does concern me. Texas Tech goes to Oklahoma. This is going to be a high-scoring game, but I don't see anything um, really falling off for Oklahoma. Does it just seem like it to me, or has like the hype for Jalen Hurts with Heisman sort of fallen off a little bit? He's still putting up amazing numbers, but just seems that He's not getting talked about a ton like he used to after the first game that he had against Houston. Next, Northwestern goes to Wisconsin. Um, I wish I could say this was like a little trap game or something for Wisconsin, but it's at Wisconsin, and Northwestern is dog shit, so I am going to go with Wisconsin in this one. Rutgers goes to Michigan. If Michigan can't win this, or if they can't win in a convincing fashion push the fucking panic buttons um kansas goes to tcu i'm gonna take this isn't like a top 25 game or anything but i'm gonna take kansas to at least cover the spread right now it's 15 and a half they could cover or they might literally just write out win i'll i'll say that right now um continuing on clemson goes to north carolina North Carolina is so hit or miss every week, so I'm not really concerned for Clemson, but it. I will say this. Trevor Lawrence is still looking sort of mid, sort of average. Can we get a big game out of him against a quality opponent? That's all I'm asking. I'll tell you this. I think North Carolina, quality opponent. Not. I mean, they're 2-2. Two and two. I understand that, but... The Clemson doesn't have a lot of quality opponents left on their schedule. Can I see a game where Trevor Lawrence takes over? Please. Alabama go host Ole Miss. That's an Alabama win for sure. In a very intriguing game, you have Virginia, 18th in the country, going to Notre Dame. I think Virginia is going to come out and play with their hair on fire and keep this game extremely close all the way until the end, but I think Notre Dame um, does end up winning this one for being at Notre Dame. But it is going to be a very competitive, hard-fought, good game. So if you have a chance, watch that. USC, 21st in the country, goes to 17 Washington. I'm going to take Washington in this one, and it goes against my better judgment but I am going to take Washington. I think Eason is going to have a big game for them along with the ground game for Washington, and I think they're going to be able to get pressure on USC's third string now quarterback, and that is going to cause some issue. And going to Washington with the third string quarterback, I think that is also going to face some issues as well. Um, we continue down the list. 
Kansas State, 24th in the country, goes to Oklahoma State. I'm going to take Oklahoma State in that one. NC State goes to Florida State. I like what NC State is doing this year. They're playing physical football. I'm going to take NC State over Florida State in that one, even though it is at Florida State. Uh, A couple of the nightcap games, Washington State goes to Utah at 10 o'clock. I'm going to take both of these teams off two bad losses. It's going to be a good game. I'm going to take Washington State in this one. I think people are going to go in there and think that Utah is the more physical team, and they probably are, but Washington State is not not physical. They can run the ball. They have a good offensive line, a good running back that complements Gordon, what they like to do through the air. I'm going to take Washington State in... A bit of an upset here against Utah and then Hawaii. I find myself just always intrigued by Hawaii games for some reason. Um, so I'm going to talk about it here. Hawaii goes to Nevada. Both these teams are 3-1. and one. Uh, I like what Hawaii does offensively. They're just fun to watch. I'm going to take Hawaii. And then UCLA, 1-3, and three, goes to Arizona, 2-1. and one. I think UCLA, the game last week they had against Washington State was like a building block and a jump starter for what this team is going to do this year. So I'm going to take UCLA over Arizona. We now move to the NFL and admittedly, a couple of these sack mail sack questions got sent in a little later and I've timing issue with how I was recording it. I didn't think I was going to be able to answer them, but they did get sent in, and I went back and recorded them, so I don't want you to, these two people to think I forgot about them, so I'm going to answer your NFL questions right now. The first one comes from Kyle Gregory. Do you think the Cowboys are a top-five team, even though they've played three of the worst teams in the NFL? I actually do think they are a top-five team, and I think they're probably, the right now, the fourth or third best team. What they're doing on offense with Kellen Moore as their coordinator is great. They're setting up and doing things well for Dak Prescott. So on top of that, you have Zeke, and that defense is playing extremely well, and they're only going to get better on both sides of the ball. Once they get Gala back as well, that adds another weapon that you saw in the first couple games, how well he's able to produce and take pressure off Amari Cooper and everything. And then you have veteran leadership like Jason Winton, which I know he's not always going to impact the game on the field, but... In practice and certain situations, it's going to be nice to have a guy like him on that team. So I am extremely high on the Cowboys this year, and I no matter who they've played the first couple weeks, I'm right there with you. I think they are a top-five team in the NFL. Next question we have is from Casey Eibold Fisher. can say that the first time now. Um, is Zach Taylor doing a better job than Marvin Lewis? Will the Bengals ever win? Is there any hope for Bengals fans? Yes, there is hope for you all. The offense has looked miles better than it had under Marvin Lewis ever. I, You all have a talented team with a lot of young pieces. I know Andy Dalton is always sort of the punching bag and the scapegoat for the Bengals, but he is a good NFL quarterback. The defense is a little questionable, and the O-line is a little questionable. You all will win some games this year, but give it time, and if you keep your pieces in place, I mean, Mixon is one of the best young backs in the NFL at everything, catching, um, running the ball, just his the skill set he brings is very encouraging for the Bengals, along with 
Boyd, John Ross is finally coming along as well. You're going to get A.J. Green, one of the best receivers in the NFL, back here pretty soon. All hope is not lost on the Bengals. I do I'm unfortunately saying I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or anything this year, but you all will win games. You all have been in a lot of the games you all have played so far, all except really the San Francisco game. So don't push the panic button yet. Um, Zach Taylor has got that offense looking very good, and I think it's only going to get better this year and for years to come. All right, we now shift our focus to the slate of NFL games for week four. On Thursday night, you have the Eagles going to the Packers. The Eagles coming off a tough loss against the Lions this pack week, and then the Packers coming off a big win. I am still very hesitant to believe in this Eagles team without its receivers, and that secondary is still a question mark for me. Injuries are plaguing this Eagles team. It seems to be that way for the last couple years. The Packers are doing it on defense more than offense, and the whole question now is will Zach LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers be able to click to help that offense be able to score points and help them win games because the defense is really carrying them right now. I think sooner or later things are going to click with the Packers and that offense with Aaron Rodgers. It's hard to envision it not happening. So to continue this on, especially for this game, I think there will be some pieces, um, some building blocks for that Packers offense. And I think this, the lack of wide receiver, even though they may be getting Alshon Jeffrey back this week, and the secondary is going to be the problem for the Eagles here. And you got to go to Lambeau, and that's an extremely hard place to win no matter who you are. So ultimately, I'm going to take the Packers over the Eagles on Thursday Night Football. Next, you have the Browns going to the Ravens, and the winner of this will be in first place in the AFC North. The Browns, already a little disappointing 1-2 and two start, coming off a real, I am say, bad game on Sunday Night Football against the Rams. Their secondary was totally depleted. There were no starters there in it, but the defense played well enough for where the Browns could have win. They had a chance to tie the game up in the last drive of the game down on the three or four yard line and four just atrocious play calls by Freddie Kitchens. Freddie's got to do better than that. Right now, as I mentioned earlier in the mail sack answering uh, Dave's question, I really didn't think the coaching would be the issue. I really didn't see the Browns starting off one and two, maybe two and one. And this is the game against the Rams that they would have lost. But them only beating the Jets so far with Luke Falk getting his first reps at quarterback in the NFL. Not where you wanted or where I expected the Browns to be so far this year. Again, Freddie Kitchens and the coaching hand, the discipline of the team has been a real issue. On the other side of the field, you have the Ravens who have been a nice little surprise, but Lamar, I'm not saying he didn't look good against the Chiefs because he did, but he looked human. He did have those highlight plays that he's been known to make the first two weeks, now three weeks in the NFL, and throughout his rookie year he made made them too, but it's going to be interesting to see how Lamar continues to adapt to this league. In this game, it's it's not a must-win for either of these teams, but I think we're going to look back on this game and be like, wow, this really fucked one of them, whoever loses this. I'm going to go with the Browns getting a major, major big win that, again, they don't, it's not a must win, but it's going to go a long way in helping 
this season for the Browns. So the Browns go to Baltimore in a hard, close game. They end up getting it done. Next, you have the Titans going to the Falcons, a battle of one and two teams. The Titans losing on Thursday Night Football last week to the Jaguars. I'm going to take the Falcons in this one just merely because I don't think Marcus Mariota is going to be able to execute an offense that's going to be able to score with the Falcons. I understand the Falcons are really disappointing through three games so far, and I it's hard for me to think of them any more than as like, a good offensive team, but at times they're not even that. But on this game, this day, I think they'll be good enough to beat the Titans. Next, you have the Patriots going to the Bills. The Patriots are rolling already at 3-0. The Bills rolling, surprisingly, at 3-0. They haven't played the same caliber of teams, but you could... S- the Bills' defenses look great. Josh Allen and that offense has looked spotty at times, but in... Big moments so far in the year. He's come up big, and they've played well. This is going to be a close close game to me, but ultimately I think the Patriots are just too good of a team. Um, and Antonio Brown is gone. The Patriots finally get that distraction out of the locker room. And there were some injury concerns with Julian Edelman, but uh, things he seems to be looking all right, and like he'll be playing in this game as well. So I think the Patriots are going to Patriot, and will end up winning this game. The Chiefs go to the Lions. The Lions still undefeated at two zero and one. The Chiefs three and zero. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I think the secondary for the Lions is that team's biggest weakness, and I think they are going to be shown that it is really a big weakness for them this weekend. Mahomes is going to have a big game, moving the Chiefs to four and zero. The Raiders go to the Colts. And this one, I just really feel like it's the Colts game to lose. They get a big win this past week against the Falcons. I am going with the Colts. I think Jacoby Brissett is playing good football to where he's not going to lose the Colts game. And I think that has been his MO and what the Colts expected from him um, all year. And he's done that so far. And I just don't think the Raiders have a good enough team to go to Indy and beat the Colts. Next, you have the Chargers going to the Dolphins. The Chargers are in desperate need of a win. And I definitely think they get that here. Just ultimately, they're the better team. The Chargers are going to move to 2-2. Two and two. Next, you have the Redskins going to the Giants. The Giants coming off that huge, impressive Daniel Jones first game. His comeback against Tampa Bay, where Tampa Bay's kicker missed the field goal. Um, they do lose, the Giants do lose Saquon Barkley for about four to eight weeks, four to six weeks, whatever you want to call it in there. Tough loss for them. It's going to really put a lot of more, a lot more pressure, but a lot more opportunities on Daniel Jones to get the ball, um, throw it around the field and really just see what the kids got. If it's any indication of his first game is what he's going to bring to this team. You got to be super excited if you're a Giants fan. They... Looked so much better on offense with him in there. Like I said, it does hurt that they do lose one of the best running backs, if not the best running backs in the NFL, with Saquon Barkley. And it does kind of make that offense a little one-dimensional on Daniel Jones, but I don't think the Redskins have a team that's going to be able to capitalize on that after coming off that embarrassing loss on Monday Night Football to the Bears. People are asking for Dwayne Haskins to come in. Ultimately, what people I think are forgetting is at the start of camp when Colt McCoy got hurt, he was pegged to be the starter. And then Case was sort of the backup, and Dwayne was sort of the third string, like we're going to keep coaching this guy along, whatever, whatever, however. Well, Colt McCoy comes back here pretty soon, and I think you're going to see a trade to him, not a trade, but a jump to him as the starting quarterback rather than Dwayne. I think the Redskins really want to keep Dwayne Haskins 
off the field this year unless there's just something catastrophic happening and then they want to build him and groom him for next year to be the guy is what I've sort of thought from reading all the things during camp but situations and teams change so maybe he will be given a chance but I'm glad Dwayne didn't get put in on Monday night going up against the Bears because that was just asking for a disaster with how good the Bears defense is ultimately in this game I'm going to take the Giants over the Redskins because I think Daniel Jones is going to be able to play well enough to beat the Redskins next you have the Panthers going to the Texans the Panthers once again already being said without Cam Newton with his foot injury. Kyle Allen comes in and throws for four touchdowns for the Panthers. Um, I don't think that performance is going to be duplicated, and I don't think the Panthers are going to be able to score well enough with the Texans. Texans have looked good all year. Um, The running back situation, which was sort of thought to be a little scary after Lamar Miller went down at the start of the year, they've done a good job with the two-man backfield of Carlos Hyde and Duke Johnson um, splitting their carries and getting production out of both guys, highlighting what they do best, Hyde running the ball, Johnson catching the ball. So ultimately, I think the Texans are going to beat the Panthers. Next show, the Buccaneers going to the Rams. This game is going to get ugly. I feel like it could be high scoring, but I think all it's just the Rams defense is too good and Jameis Winston is too prone to making mistakes and throwing interceptions and turning the ball over. So ultimately, I'm going to take the Rams in this one. It The only thing with me I've seen so far in the Rams that it, it hasn't really bothered me because the Rams are undefeated, but I would like to see... Todd Gurley off of that like workload work management snap count type thing they have on him so far and I just like them to let him go let him run let him be Todd Gurley um they don't really have to do that in this game against the Buccaneers as I said I expect the Rams defense to have a huge game and propel them to a win over the Buccaneers next you have the Seahawks going to the Cardinals I very tentatively like the Cardinals in this one I just think it's like kind of due for the Seahawks to have an iffy game and going up against Kyler Murray I understand the Seahawks are going to be able to get pressure on him and the Cardinals defense I don't know if they're going to be able to do enough to slow down the rushing attack of the Seahawks Chris Carson fumbled and they didn't give him the ball except maybe five more times in that game last week for the Seahawks that they ended up winning but um to me, this just screams trap game for me for the Seahawks. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals over the Seahawks. Next year, the Vikings going up against the Bears. And this is, I think this is a game you can say really like, are we sure these teams are good? Ultimately, I am going to take the Bears in this one. I think that defense is going to be able to get pressure on Kirk Cousins and Kirk Cousins has a real spotty record against teams with winning records and right now the Bears do have a winning record two and one I think it's going to be a typical NFC North game tough both these teams I think are going to come out and try and run the ball and alleviate some pressure on their quarterbacks and if they can do that whichever team does that best is going to be the winner and I think ultimately the Bears are going to be able to do that and they walk out of Soldier Field with a win Next, you have the Jaguars going to the Broncos. I think this is where the Broncos are finally going to get their first win of the year. I think Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, who have... I don't know if they got their sacks so far this week or not. They didn't two weeks ago, but I 
am not sure. But I think those guys are going to be able to get some pressure on Gardner Minshew and make things difficult for him. And I think if the run game for Denver can be just sort of there, that the Joe Flacco is going to be able to take a couple shots down the field. And we saw in the Titans game that the secondary for the Jaguars at times is susceptible to big plays, and that's really what Joe Flacco exceeds at is the deep ball. So I think Emmanuel Sanders or one of those guys for the Broncos could get behind the defense a couple times, get some good plays for them, and set up Philip Lindsay to have a big game on the ground. I'm going to go with a bit of an upset here, the Broncos over the Jaguars. Next on Sunday Night Football, you have the Cowboys against the Saints. The Saints, without Drew Brees, um, looked Real bad against the Rams, but they come back with Teddy Bridgewater and go to the Seahawks this past week and get a big major win for them. I am going to go with the Cowboys in this. It's hard for me to see any team going to the Dome in New Orleans and winning, but I think ultimately that the Cowboys can put up enough points and the pressure that would be on Ted Bridgewater go out and put up a lot of points could maybe be too much and that will propel the Cowboys to victory if they do that that's a major major statement win and I understand it's without Drew Brees and if these teams were to meet again Drew Brees would probably be there and it would be an entirely different game but I just think the Cowboys defense is going to get challenged this game, even with Teddy Bridgewater, because you still have to stop Kamara and Michael Thomas and all the other gadget things that Sean Payton likes to do as the play caller. So, again, I still think the Cowboys win, and it's still a big win for them, but later down the line in the season, if they were to match up again, the Saints... Totally different team with Drew Brees, but unfortunately for this Sunday night game in week four, um, Teddy Bridgewater is the only quarterback besides Taysom Hill for the Saints, so we are going to go with the Cowboys. And then on Monday night, you have the Bengals going to the Steelers. One of these teams is going to be uh, 1-3 after this game. I just think it's the Steelers' time. Mason Rudolph looked all right in his first start in San Francisco. Um, did make a lot of mistakes. The Steelers' defense was turning the, getting the ball um, a lot. They had five turnovers in the game. I think if they can play, it, obviously you're not going to get five turnovers every game if you're on the defense, but if they can continue to force turnovers like that, like one or two or just one a game, um, and give the, give their offense good field position, and Mason Rudolph can get some help from James Conner on the ground, which he hasn't so far yet, and James Conner has sort of been iffy. Um, I think his last eight games, they've been pretty bad, and I hate to say that, but because I'm a fan of James Conner and the Steelers, but they need some consistency out of that offense because Mason Rudolph at times looked a little shaky, was overthrowing guys um, on routes, which is expected in your first start. But they need some consistency, and they could get a lot of that if that ground game could be picked back up. On the other side, the Bengals, they're soon to get A.J. Green back. Once they do, I think that offense is going to either even go to another level. And Joe Mixon coming back as well. He's looked good this year in the games that he's played. Andy Dalton hasn't looked too bad either. I think it's only a matter of time before this Bengals team starts rolling and getting a little bit better and getting some confidence. Uh, But ultimately, that defense and that O-line of theirs is just too much, uh, too little. So I'm going to take the Steelers in this one on Monday night. Okay, that is it for this week's episode of Carson Sack Podcast. Episode 57. 
I will be back next week, barring any crazy happenings. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I appreciate you listening. Thank you once again for listening to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. And as we always end here, we will be seeing.